welcome to the Kosafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Say. We are joined for the special edition of the Kosafa Show by South African Football Association President Danny Ordan, who's been involved in the administration of the game for almost four decades and who was, of course, the power behind the throne in bringing the 2010 World Cup to the region. Jordan excelled in soccer and cricket in his youth before heading into the boardroom and was also active in the fight against the evil of apartheid. But it is perhaps as an administrator that many football fans know him the best, as he also serves as the current third vice president of the Confederation of African Football. Mr. Ordan, thank you so much for giving us your time. You held a SAFA National Executive Committee meeting this part, past weekend. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the key decisions made at that meeting? Yes, uh, I think that uh, now that the Premier Soccer League has ended its season, uh, we have in October, November, of course, international competition. Uh, and we had to deal with first the impact of COVID-19 and uh, we had to seek clarity from the government in terms of its regulations uh, because the initial impression that was created was that uh, international travel is now allowed and permitted and so we thought that the teams will then fly into South Africa but when you look at the regulations uh, it specifically says that international uh, competition are prohibited so that created uh, a serious concern for the NEC uh, and uh, we had to develop a response and, and, and went back to the minister to ask for clarity because uh, we have two matches scheduled, one against Zambia and one against Namibia, both in Rustenburg, that we are now not sure what the position is uh, and we need the clarity, uh, uh, clarity very urgently. And then we have the home and away match against uh, Sao Tome in, in November. Uh, and that will have serious implications for us if uh, teams are not allowed to come into South Africa to play international competition. Uh, of course, our under-17 girls team is, is one match away from qualifying for the World Cup for the second consecutive time. Uh, and they must play Morocco home and away. Uh, so there is another concern, and our under-20 team similarly uh, needs to play three more rounds of matches for qualification for the World Cup uh, for the under-20 women. Uh, so that was uh, a major issue. We had the doctor and the, the other compliance officers in the room to give a report. And then we had a presentation from the coach himself, Mr. Molefin Tseki, uh, and indicated to us... Uh, their plans to go and monitor players who are playing overseas. Uh, he has keen interest in, in two or three of the players. Uh, and again, uh, the question of international travel uh, may be a, a factor in him bringing those players uh, to bring them into the squid. This is over and above the players who play in Europe. These are, are, are new players who've never played for, for Bafana Bafana, but uh, he was very keen on them. Uh, so we listened to his uh, presentation. And then there was also the review of all of our committees. And we decided to bring former players and coaches back into our technical team. Uh, 
coaches like uh, Bobby Solomons, Lucas Khadebe, who was a former player. And then, of course, we have the others who already served there uh, on the technical team. The, the other matter, of course, uh, <clears throat> related to our search for a permanent uh, chief executive officer, uh, and we had received uh, five uh, candidates, um, and, and they will go through a process of interview, and we hope by December we'll have a permanent C, uh, CEO. Um, so those are some of the, the matters uh, that, that, we, that we went through. Of course, we looked at the uh, impact of COVID-19 on uh, our uh, finances, and COVID had a positive and a negative impact uh, on, on football's finance uh, in the country. On the one hand, of course, the sponsors uh, support uh, you as an activity. <clears throat> so if they give you uh, the, the money, it must be against an activity. In other words, the national team must play. And if there's no activity, there's no revenue. So most of the sponsors took that position to say, we are not just giving you money. We are sponsoring an activity. And if you have no activity, why must we pay? Even if uh, it is a condition uh, and a contractual obligation. So that is on the one side. On the other hand, uh, because we don't have any activity, uh, the costs, operational costs, has been reduced tremendously. And that gave us also a chance to, to recover. Uh, and what we've then done is, is to focus on getting the money to the regions. Uh, and we paid 12 million rand in grants to our regions. We paid another 10 million rand to, to the clubs uh, for them to, to get through uh, COVID-19. Uh, and uh, we tried to get the money at grassroots level. And that was a major focus. And, and then uh, we looked at our end of year financial statement and uh, it appeared that we'll have a positive result of some 63 million uh, surplus. Uh, so all of those things were, were dealt with uh, in the, the NEC meeting, which was a very productive meeting. You mentioned there about having someone like Lucas Rudebe come back and be involved on, on the technical committee. How important is it to have sort of former players uh, involved in these discussions and in terms of moving moving the game forward in the country? You know, we, we encourage uh, former players, but also encourage them either uh, to get uh, education or get technical qualifications. Uh, and sometimes it's a problem particular players who play at the highest level. I remember the story of, of Ruth Hullit. Uh, Ruth Hullit, uh, when he was uh, uh, at the end of his career and retired, and he went back to the Netherlands, I had this conversation with him, and he said, uh, now, the KNBB is very clear that if you do not have uh, qualifications, you cannot be a coach in any, at any level at the KNBB. Now, uh, he then told them, I'm looking at you in this room who was telling me I cannot coach the Dutch national team. And uh, what are your qualifications? I was player of the year. I was this and this and this and this. And he said he was quite arrogant. Uh, but 
they stuck to their guns to say, no, if you don't have any qualifications, you're not allowed to coach here. Of course, then he left, he went to England and became the coach of Chelsea uh, without qualifications. And, and uh, they just look at the, the big brand, the profile, but uh, you know, that was short lived. And he then went back and did his uh, coaching badges. And now he's a qualified coach. So very often you find that players, uh, and I had a, a, an example in South Africa too, where to speak to this legend uh, player who also felt that um, he knows everything about football. Why must he now go and be told by people who have never played at the highest level uh, how to coach? And um, I then agreed with him that uh, he can do it uh, orally. He said, you sit down there and you explain all the things you know. And they, the evaluators will sit there. Uh, they will then write it up. And then if, they, if you can prove, yes, you know all the things that they want you uh, to know at, at a particular level of the coaching badge, then uh, we will give you. And we did that for many of, of our former players. Uh, so it's, it's very difficult uh, uh, to come sp back specifically. Uh, Lucas, we, I asked him whether he's looking at the technical director because some of the things that he says in the public, it appears that you want to be an administrator. And if he wants to be an administrator, uh, he must then tell us so that we can get him out of the technical stream. But that's uh, for him to decide. Just moving back to COVID, um, Safa was at the forefront of the return uh, in South Africa and so that the PSL season could be completed. And it's obviously something that the, the neighbors here in the Kasafa region are, are grappling with at the moment. Could you sort of just explain to us what the biggest challenge was in formulating the plan for a safe return for football and what sort of advice could you give to other countries in the region who are now in a similar situation? Well, you know, in South Africa, of course, you have the National Association and then you have the professional league that uh, effectively runs the league. And uh, you may know in the beginning our uh, interpretation of what that response should be uh, was, was a different one. So the first thing that we had to do is to create uh, a joint liaison working group to sit down and deal with uh, the, the COVID-19 impact from a football point of view, but also we have to take into account uh, the regulations of the government because FIFA is very clear that the final word is with the government as to whether you can uh, resumption of play or uh, we should remain with uh, a ban on, on play. And so it was uh, a process that we engaged with uh, all of our medical staff uh, and also uh, people from we deal with logistics. Uh, and finally, we had drawn up uh, a resumption of play protocol, which effectively looked at the regulations and then agreed with the government uh, how we should return. And basically, it was that all clubs should test all the players, that uh, once the players uh, are tested and they are negative, they can then proceed to go in a very specific and defined area that we call the bio bubble. Uh, 
In other words, it means that those players, if they go into the hotel, they may not leave. They cannot go home. They cannot have visitors. They must stay there from the beginning to the end of all matches. Of course, to the players, it was very frustrating. Uh, we then had to sanitize uh, the matches, uh, the stadiums where the matches were going to be played, as well as the training grounds, to sanitize the buses and keep social distance. Um, and of course, we had compliance officers that would check that every team, every player complies with the requirements as how they should conduct themselves uh, in this uh, isolated environment or the bio bubble. Uh, and I think uh, once we set out uh, the detail of how um, it must be operated and we had the people with, with daily reports and strict monitoring, uh, we managed to get uh, through and, and the, all the matches were played. And the one thing that we uh, were worried about and that the government was worried about is that there would be a major spike of infections as a result of resuming play and the players being together. And of course, uh, it's a difficult situation because the players must be in single rooms. They must not uh, walk up and down and, and then gather in one room. Uh, they should respect social distance, even if they're in that hotel. So it requires a lot of monitoring because the natural thing for players is to gather in one or two rooms uh, and have a conversation or party or, or just relax. Uh, so it, it requires strict monitoring. And, and I think uh, we are happy with the outcome that the league was, was uh, completed. And, and what an end to the league. Uh, I think we, we never had such an end in the history of football. Um, and I think perhaps uh, the lesson to the club is uh, don't lead with 13 points before COVID. Very true, sir. Just returning to, to the national team frame, you've obviously been involved uh, at a national association level now, um, you know, since the 1990s. Um, it's fair to say that in that time, perhaps Bafana Bafana have, uh, you know, the, these days they haven't enjoyed the same success as they did in 96 and, and reaching the World Cup in 98. Why do you think that is? is has it become more competitive uh, on the continental level? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we started... Uh, you just had to beat one or two countries. And the others, um, they would play in the preliminary rounds. Uh, and then when they're out, that's the end of their international uh, program. And one of the reasons that you have confederation or, or zones, as it's called, uh, on the African continent, is to encourage uh, greater competitiveness uh, amongst the, the national teams on the continent because you could count every year who is going to uh, the World Cup. And, and so uh, for South Africa too, if you look back at uh, the, 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 the teams then and look now, um, and I think the investment from FIFA had made a difference on the continent. Uh, the regular competitions 
uh, within the zones like Kosafa. Uh, in Kosafa, I just looked at its record. Many of the tournaments used to be uh, cancelled in the past. Now Kosafa has a tournament for every age group, both men and women. Uh, and, and that is the case in most of the zones. So certainly there's been a lot of investment in, in uh, African football. And there, is, uh, there are no easy teams on the continent anymore. So that on the one hand. Uh, on the other hand, uh, our teams um, has not, uh, our club teams, that is, they have not focused on what uh, the North Africans focus on, regard the Champions League uh, competition as the most important uh, competition for them. Uh, teams like Akhri, Zamalek, uh, these teams uh, take it very, very seriously. Uh, our teams very often regard it as uh, a nuisance, a disruption of their league program. Uh, and so they participate half-heartedly. I think the, the fact that Mamalodi Sundowns has made a commitment and has uh, achieved success has now triggered a, a different attitude from our clubs. And if you look at uh, when we won the African Cup of Nations in 96, Pirates won uh, the Champions League in 95, um, and we went to the World Cup with that team. But it's battle-hardened players uh, in a Champions League that helped national teams. Uh, and unfortunately, we did not uh, have that uh, for a long period of time. We want to, to have it again. And, and if you look at the, the other teams, look at uh, the emergence of Uganda, for example. Uh, Kenya has done very well and they are emerging. So we want our, our teams to, to put greater focus uh, and greater effort in, in the CAF Champions League. Why are you disappointed, obviously, then with the men? You must be delighted with, um, with the ladies, with the women, with Banyana going to the, to the World Cup in France, for example. And also, South Africa seems to now getting a steady stream of junior sides into the, into the age group World Cups. Yes, uh, absolutely. And that is, is, is part of the focus, you see. We, we said that one of the problems that we have is that um, you cannot have a Bafana team compete on the continent when the two mainstream uh, flow of talent in that team is one, uh, battle-hardened players from uh, the CAF Champions League, and two, players who come into Bafana team with 50, 60 caps internationally. In other words, it means that your under-17 must get to AFCON and to the World Cup. The under-20 must get there. The under-23 must get there to the Olympics. Now, if you look at what happened since 2015, 2015, we had under-17 in the, in, in the World Cup. We had the women under-17 in the World Cup. The under-20 team went to two consecutive under-20 World Cups, 2017, 2019. Uh, the under-23 went to two consecutive uh, Olympics, 2016 in Rio and 2020 in in Tokyo, and uh, Banyana, of course, uh, has won the Kosafa Cup six times in a row uh, and has been in the final of 
the African Cup of Nations, lost by a penalty shootout to Nigeria and qualified for the World Cup. We have 26 women players playing overseas. Uh, so we have, uh, I think, done very well. Of course, now the under-17 women team is just one match away, home and away, uh, against Morocco to qualify for the World Cup in India. And the under-20 team, women, uh, three matches away for the under-20 Women's World Cup in Panama. Uh, and of course, the under-23, uh, depending on, on when Tokyo will happen, they've qualified for Tokyo. So there we have for Bafana and Banyana, a pool of very strong experienced international players and I hope that uh, soon we'll see uh, a Bafana that, that can uh, compete again. Of course, in, in, in 2019 in Egypt, we went to the quarterfinal uh, and, and uh, it was a huge moment uh, that night when we uh, managed to beat uh, an Egyptian team uh, with the King uh, Mo Salah in, in, in that team in uh, Cairo International Stadium. Uh, and I was sitting in the, in the VIP box. Uh, and at the end of that match, uh, the, the army generals and officials, the ministers, was in a room and uh, as they can, talking on top of their voices. Good thing for them, I don't understand Arabic, uh, but I could clearly see there's problems here. And by the time I got to the hotel, I saw on the news that uh, the government had decided to remove the entire uh, leadership of Egyptian football, including coaches, everybody. They just removed everybody. So it was a huge disappointment for them. But it was a glorious moment for, for South Africa. Of course, Mark Fish was on the bench, and he also retired because he almost had a fight with the Egyptian bench. And yes, then he, yes. he came to me, he says, no, please, please, you know, give me something else. Because I've discovered tonight, I cannot sit on that bench. Because the abuse that they are shouting and the things that they are saying, I felt like I must go there and just have a fight now. I must fight it out. So I'm sorry, it's not a job for me. I, uh, I'm going to be banned. So Mark Fish also resigned on that night. Doesn't want to be close to the bench. Uh, it was a very, very uh, emotional and very tense uh, match, but a huge success. But, uh, you know, these things, great teams, good teams win now and then. Great teams win every time. And, and that is what we want. We have 65 uh, young players in Europe now. And many of them, I think, uh, that is what we asked Malia Finseki, they are 22, 24. He must go and have a look at those players and, and build a, a Bafana team because I think our team is in transition. Many of those who are uh, in the starting lineup, uh, 33, 32, 34, uh, and he must begin to think how he can build a team that can qualify for the World Cup, qualify for African Cup of Nations, and still manage to build a team. Fortunately, we have many good players in the under-23 uh, Olympic team.
You know, Kasafa is, is hoping to have a bumper year next year with as many as 10 tournaments, including a, a first ever under 15 competition. South Africa has often played a crucial role as a host for Kasafa events. Why are these so important to, to Safa? Well, you see, the, the route to both CAF, AFCOM and to FIFA competitions, that route goes through Africa. Now, uh, CAF has decided that in order to review, to qualify for both the World Cup and to qualify for uh, uh, CAF's African Cup of Nations, uh, except, of course, a senior, all other teams, junior teams, you must qualify through your zone. So effectively, it means that uh, we, as Kosafa countries, we have to battle it out to qualify for AFCON by playing in Kosafa. And that, I think, has changed this uh, laissez-faire approach uh, of uh, Kosafa countries to, to, uh, to Kosafa competitions. So Kosafa competitions have become very, very important. And what you can also see is that the Kosafa countries are doing better uh, in, in CAF competitions because of the improvement in the quality and the standard of uh, Kosafa competitions. The last question we wanted to ask you was um, just looking ahead now. I mean, we've had a year of famine. We will have a year of feast, hopefully, in 2021 with lots of qualifiers, World Cup, Cup of Nations, all the banyanas and junior competitions you've mentioned. Give us a sense of your of your immediate ambitions as far as Bafana are concerned and as far as the, the other South African national teams are concerned. Well, I think the for Bafana... Uh, the, the coach must do two things. He must begin to integrate uh, the players from under 23. We have, we have players who are doing very well. Uh, but at the same time, he should uh, qualify for AFCON. Uh, there cannot be a question about that. I think we have a good chance for the World Cup as well. Uh, and uh, we, we have quality players. So it's, it's how he's going to manage uh, the, the process. For the women team, Banyana, um, of course, Bafana is ranked number 13 on the continent. Banyana is number three on the continent. And so uh, the good thing of the women is that the FIFA has increased the number of teams in the Women's World Cup uh, to 32 teams. And I would assume that we will have a minimum of five teams uh, in, the, in the World Cup. Um, the allocation of places in the World Cup is not something that I agree with. Um, you know, I cannot find any reason why uh, Africa should not get a better and equal uh, allocation. Uh, from the junior level up, they, I mean, how can we have one and two teams in, in the World Cup for juniors? And then when you come to the seniors, you have now in 2026 a 48-nation World Cup, and then we have 10. Development means that you have a broader base and, and a peak. Now, here you have an inverse of a triangle where you have a small uh, entry of junior African teams and a wide base on top of 10 teams. So uh, this is something that we have 
debated with, with people in FIFA. In fact, I've written a letter or a, a paper that I sent to them on my own views on, on these issues. Uh, and our junior teams, therefore, we want them to, to qualify. Uh, and our senior teams, certainly uh, Banyana should. With our 26 players playing in Europe, the National League for women's football in the country is going into its second season. Uh, there should be a strong base for a very competitive uh, Banyana Banyana uh, on the continent. Uh, the Champions League for women, of course, will help give uh, our coach another uh, platform to go and look at uh, the, the participation and the competitions uh, that she can use to build a banana team that can compete with the best on the continent and in the world. So uh, 2021, I think, is going to be quite a year because uh, most of the competitions of 2020 has been already moved across to 2021. Uh, and we start the year 2021 with an election in CAF. Um, then we deal with a lot of competitions in 2021, including the Olympics. Uh, and so there's a lot of work. I don't know whether 2021 has enough days. Uh, there are only 52 weeks for, for football. And um, we have to play Chan, we have to play uh, qualifiers, uh, we have to play World Cup, uh, we have to play Club World Cup, uh, all of these things in 52 weeks, where we actually, in 52 weeks, you have about 42 weeks for football. Uh, so it's going to be very tough next year, and I think that... Uh, we need to make sure that the players are fit and ready for a very demanding season next year. That's a wrap from us this week. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Kasafa Show, and we look forward to your company in two weeks' time. In the meantime, you can listen to more of our podcasts on Sokoladuma Radio, Kasafa.tv, Spotify, and iTunes. And you get all the latest news via our website at www.kasafa.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Goodbye from us. Goodbye.